Welcome to the Money Tree Real Estate Investor Podcast, where we learn from real estate professionals across the industry. They will share about how they got into real estate, the big wins they have celebrated, the mistakes they have made along the way, and the advice they have for anyone following in their footsteps. Money really does grow on trees. Hey everybody, it's William Hollins here for another episode of the Money Tree Real Estate Investor Podcast. I've got a special guest. He's a good friend, AJ Smith in the building. Hey guys, happy to be here. Man, you're sharp dressed today. You're wearing that suit and tie. I like it. Let's get down to business. Uh, I'd love to hear just a little bit of your background. Uh, where'd you grow up, man? And how old are you? Obviously, you know, you're, you're a young guy, but, but smart and, and always all, already making things happen. Well, thank you. Yeah, glad to be here. Um, where I grew up, how I got started. So I'm from the Midwest, specifically Iowa, Eastern Iowa. If anyone's familiar with the Quad Cities, uh, I'm from uh, the, the Quad Cities area, kind of Iowa, Illinois border. Um, yeah, I grew up in, in Eastern Iowa, moved out to Seattle for about six years, uh, and then moved back to the Quad Cities for a little bit. So I just got back from a vacation over there and really enjoyed my time. It was a little cooler, a little more water, uh, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. But yeah, so um, growing up, I played baseball, did football, track, all the sports. My parents like to say that kept me out of trouble. I like to think so, too. Um, I, I was really involved in school, you know, did a bunch of clubs, um, environmental club, chess club, all those different things. Um, just a lot of things to get involved in a lot of different areas. One of my favorite things to do is habitat for humanity. And that led eventually into a love for real estate too. So I got started with habitat, uh, volunteering with them in high school, part of football. I think we, uh, we helped out with one of their projects, you know, I got to swing Yeah, I got to swing a hammer. I got to, you know, (laughs) uh, see some siding getting put up, put some flooring down. And uh, I saw this and I was like, you know, I I know people get paid for this. And I know this house is really nice. uh, So I I think it'd be interesting to do something like this one day. So in the summers in between high school, college, some of my college years, I volunteered with Habitat for Humanity, um, got involved with a student organization at the University of Iowa. That was a ton of fun. Uh, we put up a bunch of fundraisers. I think we raised about $3,500 to help build some houses in the Iowa City area. Um, and yeah, just just kept building uh, houses around that area, learning the business that way, volunteering in the summers. Um, in terms of that construction side, that's where I got some of the, some of the DIY ability, uh, especially laying floors. That's a great way to save some cash if you know how to lay some floors yourself. But that's how I got started initially in sort of the DIY real estate space from the finance side of things. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was about a sophomore in college. My brother introduced me to it. Uh, shout out, Alex. Thanks again. And uh, yeah, I, I read that book uh, and listened to the Bigger Pockets podcasts after he put me onto them. And I was like, wow, this sounds awesome. There are people that are retiring when they're 30 years old, 40 years old, instead of 50, 65, or, you know, 65, 70 that we typically, typically have. So I was like, this is a great space to be in. I, uh, I studied accounting in college. So um, not the most exciting subject to a lot of people. But after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I learned, you know, accounting, according to Robert Kiyosaki, accounting is, accounting is the, uh, the language of business. 
And so if you're able to know accounting, the basic building blocks for all sorts of businesses, then you can take that and put it into whatever venture that you want to take on later. So when I was trying to decide my major, initially I came in as an economics major, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I was like, okay, accounting all the way. And I studied taxes in college. I learned about um, you know, uh, pigs and pals, which I, I made a Instagram and I saw that. On. <laughs> and I thought that was so neat, you know, passive income generators, uh, passive activity losses, you know, those two things canceling each other out on your taxes. I thought that kind of stuff and those incentives provided by the government for real estate investing is just so, so cool. I thought, you know, uh, the ability to leverage, uh, a, a large portion of your ownership, in a real estate transaction versus, you know, buying bonds, buying stocks, just keeping it in a savings account and then paying that down through tenant interactions, that kind of stuff um, just really appealed to me and, and all the different wealth generating factors that real estate can provide for you that so many other asset classes just don't have and the tax incentives that other asset classes don't have. Um, all of these things, as I was going through college, reading these books, you know, uh, talking to people like I'm talking to you right now, I would call folks mm -hmm. up on the phone that I found on bigger pockets and just be like, Hey, I saw that you got involved in this space, you know, a couple of years ago, and now you already have four units, 10 units, 50 units. How did you do it? And just picking their brain. Um, that's how I got started is just picking people's brains, seeing what they were doing, how they were doing it and trying to do it myself. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So we'll definitely dive into a lot more of what you've been up to now. I love the background, love getting to know you a little bit better. Um, obviously, you know, we became friends to the Best Ever Conference. Uh, we got a, got to be at Airbnb Buds together um, and, and just had a lot of good time and met a lot of awesome people in this space. Um, you know, and I want to commend you. You know, I took a leap of faith in January of this year, 2023, to leave my job, leave my full-time job, go out into the unknown, you know, say no to like a really nice paycheck. And um, you did that, you know, soon after actually. And I have to say, honestly, after, I mean, I went to that conference and I met you and I saw how you were doing it. And that was an inspiration for me. Initially, my goal was to, to retire, or to, to leave the W2 world around, you know, 2026, 2027. Um, and then I saw what you were doing. I was like, he's able to do it. You know, this is possible. And so uh, I looked at my current, you know, situation. And I was like, I could do it. You know, yeah. uh, based on the passive income that I have for my rentals, like I can also take the sleep of faith and bet on myself and um, see how it goes. So thank yeah, you. For, Absolutely. I, I'm glad we were, you know, Airbnb buddies. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, okay. So, so you quit your job. What was, what was going through your mind, um, you know, before you were going to quit your job and then, you know, kind of that, that first week, I'd love to hear. You know, was there any like apprehension or, or fears or anything like that? And how did you kind of push over and push through those? 100%. I think the biggest thing that helped me was the math. So really digging into the math, what is the worst case scenario and how would I overcome that? Right. So looking at my personal expenses, looking at my expenses from my business and looking at the cash flow that I have in between what my expenses are and what income is being generated currently and then seeing how how does that interplay with my own personal expenses 
um, seeing the the difference between those things and realizing like, okay, not only is there enough to pay all my mortgage, uh, pay all the expenses um, and build reserves, there is a decent portion left as well for me to cover my personal expenses. And so really digging into the math and seeing, you know, this is how much I would be making if everything was, you know, occupied, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Um, This is how much I'd be making. And this is what I would need to survive. I was like, okay, like this is doable. Um, So I looked at that and then I started thinking about like, how am I going to generate more income aside from just rentals? And so that got me looking into flips that got me looking into larger um, apartment complexes so that instead of just relying on my own capital uh, or relying on my own ability to fix things, which, you know, in, in the past, I've been very DIY heavy, like that Habitat for Humanity background might suggest, but looking at my business and looking at folks who have been scaling their businesses, I realized I can't just be doing the stuff myself, doing the DIY, the rehab, mm-hmm. renovating uh, property management. I have to be scaling and building systems wherein I can take myself out of that business and focus on income generating activities like finding deals, um, finding partners to take deals down, those kinds of things. Absolutely, man. That's awesome. So your first deal was in June of 2021. What was that first deal? Yeah. First deal, June of 2021. I just graduated college in May. So the two years before that, I spent so much time listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Mm-hmm. I analyzed over 700 properties to figure out how am I going to buy my first one? Because that's always the biggest step. How am I going to buy my first one? And so of, uh, of those I, 700, what what types of properties were you looking at? Yeah, initially it was all over. So I was looking at bur, um, burring single family homes by rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Um, just single home rentals. I was looking at flips. I was looking at duplexes. I moved up to triplexes. I watched a uh, video from Brandon Turner and he was talking about, okay, this is the stack. The stack is you buy one unit, the next year you buy two, then you buy four, eight, 16, 32, again and again and again. And so I figured um, after watching that video and learning more about the house hacking strategy, which is what I eventually utilized to buy this four unit, I realized, you know, the, the process of buying a four unit is just as, you know, time intensive as the process of buying a, a single unit or a duplex. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's just, you have more units and there's less risk because you have more um, tenants that are paying that mortgage for you. And so Eventually I got to the point where I was just analyzing fourplexes and I was like, okay. any fourplex that hits the market in this specific area, I'm going to know this is how much it should be generating. This is how much I should buy it for in order for it to cash flow. And so when this deal hit the market, I saw the purchase price. I quickly ran the numbers. It was probably a half an hour uh, between when I it first hit my email and when I had it analyzed. And I was like, okay, this is the price I need to offer for this to make sense. Called up my realtor, got it under contract, um, bought that property, like like I mentioned in June. And then we executed a $25,000 renovation on that property to renovate the four units. I was able to save a lot of costs because I did you know, sanding hardwood floors and refinishing them, laying plank, um, hard uh, luxury vinyl plank, redoing kitchen cabinets, that kind of stuff. Did all that ourselves. And so we saved a bunch of money 
built a good amount of equity in it. And there's a good amount of cash flow that comes out of that now too. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it sounds like you've you've made a lot of unique decisions so far. And and I don't think I asked before, but you know, how old are you again? Yeah, so I'm 24, uh, 24 years old this year. Um, just turned 24 in April. That's awesome, man. Okay, so that was the first deal. Now let's walk through in the last couple of years, what other properties have you acquired? What are the lessons that you've learned? What are some obstacles that came up? And take it away. Yeah, absolutely. So since then, I have purchased a four-unit apartment complex. I uh, purchased that in April 2022. I then purchased a single-family home, which I flipped after living in it for a while, uh, about six months fixing it up. After that, purchased a four-unit apartment complex with two partners, um, one of which I met in college and the other was one of his friends. Uh, we still own that four-unit apartment complex, still executing a, a rolling renovation on that as we have inherited tenants and whatnot. Um, after that, uh, purchased a, another four-unit apartment complex um, that we just finished a refinance for, actually. So uh, we purchased that with private money. Um, so the private money lender lent the down payment. We completed a $30,000, $35,000 renovation to this property and then refinanced out to entirely pay that private money lender off and then hold this property. So we just finished that refinance that happened today. Uh, super mm. excited for that. Awesome, man. Yeah, that was the first one um, that we've we've done uh, in terms of a full kind of burr, if you will. And so that was a lot of fun. Um, bought a second, uh, bought a duplex um, after those first four, four unit apartment complexes, bought a duplex this past May. Uh, with another partner and then working on another flip right now that also I'm using a private money lender for as well. That's cool. So take us through the private money lending process. You know, what kind of interest rates, what kind of terms, lending terms, you know, how long does it take to pay them off? Um, and how do you make those relationships work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So private money, uh, private money lending is, is a, a great business in terms of it's very negotiable. So unlike with banks, you just kind of have to take their terms or search for another bank. With private money lenders, it's a different um, kind of a, a different story. So it's based on your relationship with that person and, of course, the returns that they're looking for. So in one of these instances, I was paying that private money lender 12%. Uh, uh, so 12% interest, which essentially comes out to 1% interest per month that I hold that, that cash. Um, and so... It's entirely negotiable. Like I mentioned earlier, the interest rate is negotiable um, if they want to do points. So for example, you know, if you borrow $100,000 on a property and you pay one point on that, that's essentially 1% on that $100,000 right at the beginning. So all of those things are negotiable. It just depends on, again, your relationship with that lender and what kind of terms that lender is looking for. So in these two scenarios, you know, I was looking for the down payment on the four unit apartment complex, as well as uh, the down payments on the uh, flip property that we're doing currently. And I was able to, to, um, to utilize those down payments to also pay for those renovations through the main lender as the private money lender was kind of a secondary lender in those, in those situations. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's very savvy. I've definitely heard of people doing that. I haven't used private money before. 
Um, but you might have to teach me a little bit more about that too. Happy um, to. Passive investors in real estate are able to receive a check every month. Some people call that mailbox money. We say money really does grow on trees. Visit the website at biggerpictureholdings.com where we have a ton of free resources to help you learn more about planting your very own money tree. And so it's it's the middle middle of uh, 2023. What does the rest of the year look like for you? Obviously, you want to get some more projects done. And then I'd love to hear a little bit more about like maybe the next you know, 18 to 24 months, you know, what are you looking to do long-term and uh, where do you hope this takes you? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of goals for this year, um, I entered this year still going with the stack, right? So um, talking about Brandon Turner's stack, starting with four, going to eight, 16, 32. And so my first year, 2021, I started with four units. Second year, I purchased eight um, or my goal was eight. And then this year, my goal has been 16. So far this year, I have purchased uh, seven units. Um, and now I'm shifting my goal from just focusing on um, four unit apartment complexes, maybe flip single families, that kind of stuff to really focusing on much larger, uh, larger deals. So um, large apartment complexes, in Eastern Iowa is my buy box, uh, $4 million <laughs> or higher. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of like a buy box, that's a big change from where, where I have been. Uh, but like you mentioned, 18 to 24 months, there's a lot of um, opportunity that'll be coming down the line with interest rates changing, um, the environment changing with operators um, who maybe had a, a, a lot of bridge debt uh, that is now coming due due to the rising um, interest rates and, and refinance timelines um, that they now have to get out of deals. And so looking at that opportunity and seeing, you know, what might be out there, um, I've since uh, October joined the Value Tribe Mastermind with Terrence Doyle, who invests in a lot of uh, large multifamily apartment complexes in Des Moines and Denver. Uh, great teacher. He was teaching us about how to purchase and renovate large multifamily apartment complexes. And so that is where my educational efforts have been going in the past six months or so is learning about these multifamily apartment complexes and how to take those large deals down. So in terms of long-term goals, 18 to 24 months, that's where I want to focus my attention. And that's where I'm focusing my efforts in terms of taking down new deals. Awesome, man. I, I really like that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people kind of started in the way that you've started. You know, they were buying smaller deals and then they kind of want to move into some larger deals. So I, I as well bought a house in 2021. So I've been house hacking. I treat it as an, a four unit apartment complex and, you know, it's four bedrooms. So um, doing a similar thing, obviously the property value might not be quite as expensive as, you know, what you were able to purchase. But why are you kind of wanting to transition to larger properties? What's your what you're thinking because there's I see benefits to both sides right you know I've been a part of a 170 unit apartment acquisition but I have you know a very very small sliver of the pie and so with those smaller deals like my home you know it's it's gone up in 18 months the value and it still needs some work to it but the value has gone up like 100,000 or more you know, in 18 months. And like, if I were to put another 50K in it, it'd probably be another 150 to $200,000 like increase in value. 
So I have a hundred percent ownership of that. And when I sell all those profits are going to be mine. So, you know, I see benefits to really both, both avenues, but I would love to get your input on why uh, you are, are wanting to kind of shift your mindset um, in the next, you know, 18 to 24 months. hundred percent. And I, I agree. I think that there's definitely merit to both strategies. It's just what appeals the most to you and what fits your goals the best. I think for me at this point in time, the biggest appeal, the, the two biggest appeals for me would be scalability um, and bringing on other people. So I've had some partnerships so far um, where I've worked with other folks, been able to bring them in on deals, and they've also been able to invest in real estate. And that's been a great experience, not just teaching those folks about how to invest in real estate uh, and what that process looks like, but also getting them in on those deals, having them see like, this is what real estate investing looks like. So that is one thing um, that I think is, is really neat is the ability to also generate returns for other folks in the, in the business, not just for yourself um, in terms of, you know, spreading the, spreading the wealth in that way. The other thing is scalability. And so with much larger apartment complexes, as I mentioned earlier, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which are the kind of uh, federal agencies that, that govern mortgages, uh, govern mortgages, <clears throat> they offer 30 year fixed fixed rate amortized um, mortgages. Whereas if you're looking at most commercial debt, you're looking at 20 years, maybe 25 years. And they also offer it at much lower interest rates than what uh, typical commercial debt looks like. And so the ability to scale to that level where you're able to take advantage of that um, not only will help cash flow uh, substantially from commercial, regular commercial debt, but it also gives you the ability to, instead of self-managing something like a house hack, a single family, a fourplex, really invest in a full-time property manager that can take care of, or an asset manager even, that can take care of these apartment complexes for you. So it becomes much more of a passive endeavor than being in the trenches each day. So I would say scalability in terms of both the debt but also the skill set and the expertise that you can bring on to assist your business. Both of those things scale because there's much more cash flow that's available to pay other folks. And again, bring other folks into the business so that they can create a career out of it uh, and create uh, a really great experience for not just investors, but for the residents of these communities um, where they can have you know, really nice living spaces that have been upgraded because you have that ability to then scale much, much greater. I like that. So is it, is it fair to say, I think this applies to both passive investors as well as general partners, people putting deals together, you know, you'd rather have, let's say 5% ownership and a hundred million dollar portfolio, you know, where you can break that up, own more properties than a hundred percent and, you know, $700,000 portfolio. Is that, is that fair to say? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think as well, if you look at it from a, a, a de-risking standpoint, right, uh, 5% over many properties uh, that are located across, you know, it could be different states, just different properties themselves. Um, that is also de-risking that investment because you have that money spread out across, it's almost like a, an index fund, if you will, right? That's spread out across many different companies or many different assets, if you will, um, where if one gets hit by maybe, let's say, a, just an act of God, like a tornado or something oh, like man. that, right? Uh, it, it, would really, 
it would, yeah, exactly. It would really stink to have all of your investment just in that one, you know, 50 unit apartment complex mm-hmm. um, that now is, has been totally just destroyed. Um, whereas you could have that spread out across many different apartment complexes mm-hmm. and thereby de-risking it in that way. Yeah. Wouldn't it be bad if you had like five apartment complexes in five states and they all got hit with tornadoes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone's out for you at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, thankfully there's insurance, you know, to cover a lot of, a lot of different circumstances like that, but man, it's, it's been a, a real pleasure. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, some of the like personal development things that you're trying to do right now to, to stay updated on, you know, real estate happenings, you know, whether that's, uh, debt, you know, trends in the market, um, but also just like trying to grow your, your business acumen and, uh, relationships with others. Yeah. So, uh, William Haas is one of the um, lenders that I'm working with currently. And he sends out this awesome letter that just talks about current market trends, talks about where's the multifamily space at this point in time in terms of both debt, but in terms of um, transactions as well. What are we seeing each quarter in terms of the number of transactions? So just a really, really great newsletter that comes out from him that updates me in terms of what does that look like across the country and across what they have seen. I'm also staying up to date on the Bigger Pockets on the Market podcast, which gives a great overview, I think, of a lot of different topics across the country. These could be you know, national topics, or they could just be very locational, regional topics as well. I think that's a great way to, to stay up to date on, on a few things. And then just talking to a lot of investors, as many as I can, getting their thoughts on the market, their thoughts on uh, just different investing strategies, um, I think that having those conversations is incredibly important and getting people's thoughts and, and uh, opinions on, you know, their investment strategies can really broaden your horizons in terms of not just keeping your focus on, you know, maybe it's um, one, one particular market or one particular niche, which I think is important, of course, but I think having that broader view of this is what some other folks are doing in the market, this is how they're doing this is what trends that they're seeing too, that can help you as well. Maybe bring some things into your particular niche that can expand your business there too. That's awesome, man. Well, how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect and, and uh, get to know you better? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn. So Instagram, I'm at young refi. So it's Y O U N G underscore R E F I. And on LinkedIn, I am AJ Smith. I believe it is AJ Smith 77. Uh, on on LinkedIn, if you want to get in touch with me there, that's awesome, man. Yeah, we'll have both of those links in the description. Uh, young Refi, not a rapper, but a real estate investor. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, AJ, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining. Absolutely. Thank you. Like and subscribe below. A new episode will air every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Are you looking for more content? Visit our website, biggerpictureholdings.com. And remember, money really does grow on trees.